through the major stories of the Bible for a 31-week journey. And it has just been awesome. I want to thank you for being here today. My name is Eugene Smith. I am one of the pastors here at City Church as well. And uh, it has been just an incredible week. We, we were in D.C. this week. How many of you have ever been to Washington, D.C. before? Okay. How many have never been to D.C. before? Okay, a few people. All right. So this story makes sense about the half of you. But, but we had a blast. We were in D.C. on the 4th of July. And I don't know if you've ever been to, like, Philadelphia or Washington on one of the big holidays like that. But it's just, it's an amazing place. If you've never been to D.C., you need to go. You just need to experience that feeling of our nation's capital, and, and you'll get a greater appreciation. You really will. You'll get a greater appreciation for the greatness of our nation and the founding fathers and the way they put this thing together. It's just amazing to see the hand of God upon it. But on July 4th, we rented bikes, and uh, they're seven bucks a day, and it's called the capital bike thing, and you, you drive for a little bit around. Maybe you'll go to a site, and they have all these places where you can drop the bike off and go in and do a little touring and then come back out and you put your card in and you get another bike and you travel off. And, and we did that all day on the 4th. But the really cool thing is that it's called the mall. You know, you've seen the news. You'll see the Washington Monument and you'll see the Lincoln Memorial. You'll see the, the uh, Capitol building. And the White House is just a couple of blocks over from there. But uh, it's this huge mall that's got uh, all these great historical monuments that we know. And the, the streets on, both, on either side of the mall, one is Constitution and the other is Independence. And Constitution and Independence were blocked off from all traffic. And so you could ride your bike free. I mean, I, I kept thinking, it's July 4th and I'm riding my bike. I mean, there's no stop signs. There's, I mean, I, we run right through stoplights. The police don't care. And, and it, it was just awesome. It was an incredible feeling. And, you know, usually, you know, the place is packed and you can't move around. And, and it was really one of, the, one of the better days that we've had in a long time. And I was thinking about that as I was riding around. You know, there were no signs. There were no signs to stop me from going. I just could drive up, ride the bike up and down the street. And a bunch of other people, we were having a blast on our bikes. And, you know, signs, signs, warning signs or, you know, stop signs are there to protect us. They're there to help us generally. They convey some kind of message that we need to know. And uh, I was getting ready for the message this week, and I came across a couple th- signs that I thought you might like to take a look at. And can we just put the first one up here? This is actually a sticker that's on every chainsaw that's sold in America. Do not hold the wrong end of a chainsaw, <laughs> especially when it's running. Everyone said amen. All right. Here's another sign. It says, I don't know if you can see that. It's got some pointy things at the top. Do not sit on the top. Okay, I'm, I'm going to warn you right now. Don't sit on the top of that fence. That could hurt. How about this one here? This is one of my favorites. Here. <laughs> Caution. This sign has extremely sharp edges. Do not touch the edges of the sign. But look at the bottom here. Also, the bridge is out. Exit immediately. <laughs> what is that about? You know. <laughs> Here's another good one from England. Touching wires causes instant death. $200 fine. <laughs> Uh, here's my all-time favorite here. <laughs> Warning, all unattended children will be given a double espresso and a free puppy. There you go. Just leave your kids, and we'll take care of them for you. <laughs> uh, you know, signs, signs, signs. See, and we got a sign right now that our fire alarm's going off. So it's just, uh, it's, uh, there we go. Good. Look at that. That was amazing how that worked out. We were walking through the different museums and uh, uh, we went to the Holocaust Museum. I've 
been there several times, and it's one of the most moving, uh, it's hard to even express in words the feeling as you walk through this museum, just, you know, in your mind, to wrap your heart in your brain on how could this happen, literally, almost in our generation, some of you are younger, but my, my grandfather was in World War II, I, I knew a lot of people, a lot of, there's some people probably here that maybe were born during that period, or maybe even served in that war, it's hard. It's very, it's very challenging. It's very moving. There's hardly a dry eye as you walk through some of the exhibits to see the evil that was perpetrated. And as you're walking through this memorial, one of the last things, one of the last signs that you see as you're walking out is this sign right here. All that is required for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. All that is required for evil to triumph is for good men to to do nothing. We're in our story. We're in week 15, you know, and, and we're getting to the part of the Bible that can get complicated. It can get complicated, but because we're, we're coming to the period of the prophets. And the prophets were God's messengers. They were God's spokesperson for a generation. They, they, they lived in the time of the kings. Uh, there was a 208-year period that God had these kings that were ruling his people. Last week, Keith talked about the splitting of the kingdom between Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And the result of that splitting, the result of the division of the ten tribes going one direction to the northern part of Israel and the two other tribes going to the southern part of Israel was the result of sin. It was the result of Solomon's sin. Solomon's idolatrous worship. God spoke a word to David. God made a promise to David. He said, David, I love you. Your son's going to be a blessing, Solomon. God came to him three different occasions and said, Solomon, if you serve me, I'll bless you and I'll bless your family. But something happened in Solomon's life and he took a detour. He didn't heed the warning signs. He didn't heed the voice of God in, in his generation. And, and God said, okay, I'm not going to tear the kingdom from you, but your son will experience it. And that's how we get these two different kings. And that's how we get these books called the prophets. And the prophets like Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, Nahum, Hosea, these different prophets, they had a message. And the message generally they delivered to the king, but also to the people. Our story this morning is a messenger by the name of Elijah. Everybody, anybody, anybody not hear of Elijah before? Okay, good. So I'm going to talk to you about Elijah today. Elijah was God's messenger. When you think of stories in the Bible, you think of different people's names. You know, you think of Adam, you think of Eve, right? You think of Noah and the ark, right? David and Goliath, right? Samson and... Well, that's good. Yeah, you got that. Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Prophets were interesting characters in the Bible. Prophets, they... They were unusual at times. And God asked them to do some really unusual things. They, they stood out. They stood out because they made a decision that they were all in for God. They were going to serve God in their generation. And they were going to warn people. I actually have a definition of a prophet. You can put it up on, on the screen for me. God, pro, prophets were God's spokespeople. They were God's megaphone to warn and encourage and challenge people to return to God. So they were. They were God's spokesperson to a generation. In our story, in our story today, I'm found in 1 Kings chapter 
18, and I want you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. We're going to read several verses. God's messenger is going to speak to us today. Prophets in the Bible, they foretold the future on certain events. There are prophetic scriptures that talk about the coming of Christ. There were prophetic scriptures that prophet or words that prophets spoke that told about the future of Israel. But generally, generally, prophets foretold. They declared the word of God to their generation. They were a standard for truth. They were a standard for what was right. They were to tell the people that God loved them, but had a better way for their life. And here we find in our story in 1 Kings chapter 18, I'm going to read verse number 1 and 2, and then we're going to skip down to verse number 16. And the Bible says, after a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Everyone say, word of the Lord. This wasn't man's opinion. This wasn't something that he pulled off the ticker tape on CNN News. This was the word of the Lord. Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain to the land. Elijah had prayed three and a half years earlier that it would not rain on the land to get the people's attention. One of those weird things in the Bible. Powerful prayer. Elijah prays his prayer. It doesn't rain for three and a half years. Now God is sending Elijah to Ahab to warn him, to tell him. Verse number two says, so Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now let's skip down to verse number 16. So Obadiah, another prophet, went to meet Ahab and told him. And told him and Ahab went to meet with Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? In the Hebrew there, this word troubler literally means snake in the grass. Is that you, you snake in the grass? Isn't it interesting how in this generation, the wicked king Ahab was calling a good man evil? And isn't that strange in our generation today that there are people who call good evil and evil good? You see, he says, verse 18, I've not made trouble for Israel. Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You've abandoned the Lord's commands and you have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah. Asherah was the sister to Baal. Baal was just a bad pagan form of worship. It it caught the attention of the people and it it attracted their hearts because it was a a religion of of physical senses. It was a religion of, of dance. It was a religion of offering sacrifices. It was also a religion that was full of sexuality. They had priests and prophets who were prostitutes. And the people would go and make these sexual sacrifices to this God of Baal, the God of the sun and the God of fertility and the God of the rain. And bring the prophets of Baal and of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel, and he assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Here's my big idea. Here's the one thing I want you to hear this this morning. Listen, listen. God loves us despite our rebellion and calls us to turn back to him 
so that he can bless us. God loves us despite our rebellion and calls us to turn back to him so that he can bless us. Our pastoral prayer this morning is for Ron and Sandy Johnson. They pastor the one church not too far from here in Longwood, Florida. And uh, they are great friends of ours. We love them. We love the work that God is doing through their church. We are just, we are so encouraged to see what God is doing through this ministry. Every week here at City Church, we pray for another church in our community. I want you to join with me as we pray for the one church this morning. Father, I thank you this morning for the one church. I thank you for what you are doing in their lives. I, I thank you, Lord, for the growth and for the people that have been changed and the lives that have been touched. God, we thank you that we can partner with other life-giving churches in our community to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And Lord, I bless Ron and Sandy. I pray that your hand will be upon them for good today. Now, Lord, I pray for the people that are here. I thank you that we have an opportunity to worship you in spirit. and We've experienced your presence in such a wonderful way. Now, God, I pray that there will be a, a, an experience of the truth, the reality of the truth, where that would penetrate our hearts. And God, that you would use me to speak and declare your word to your people. God, how much you love them, how much you desire to see them turn fully to you so that you can bless them. God, we ask now that every word that I speak would not be my word, but it would be your word in the ears and the hearts of those who hear. I ask this in Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. You know, we live in a fascinating generation. We live in a really fascinating generation that we have instant access to many, many people. Isn't that right? You, you think about your life. You think about, you know, there's this book called Seven Degrees of Separation. You think about in your life the people that you know and how close you are to just about anybody on the planet. Several years ago, there was a book written by Malcolm Gladwell called The Tipping Point. And in the book, he talks about how many people it takes for you to handwrite a letter and to give it to a, you know, handwrite a letter to a friend that lives all the way across the country or in another, or in another country. And how many people it takes for you to get that letter to that person just by people carrying the letter from one place to the next. You know what they say? Five people. Five people. You can get a letter to almost any person on the planet. It's an amazing concept. It's an amazing thing. I think, you know, I know a person that knows this person. I was in a room with a person not too long ago, and the person is a personal friend of the President of the United States. I thought, I am one person away from the President of the United States. I mean, that's amazing. I don't know about you, but that to me, that, that boggles my mind how close we are in this world. And because we have instant access on telephones and cell phones, we have people call us. And I don't know if this ever happens to you, but sometimes I'll be really busy and I'll get a phone call and I have to make a decision. Am I going to take this call or not take this call? Anybody ever have to make that decision before? <laughs> All right, so I'm looking at the phone. And, and now because of Google and Android or whatever, i got this wonderful option. i got like five or six different options that I can choose, you know, I can either accept the call or I can, you know, I'm in a meeting, I'm driving, you know, whatever, right, you know, I'm in a movie, I'm at dinner, and uh, so I'll make a decision, and sometimes I make the decision, I'm busy, I'll call back later, just push a little button, boom, and it goes right to voicemail, you've had that experience, you've done that too, you know, the challenge in our relationship many times with God is that God is always speaking. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, but the fact is the word of the Lord comes to all of God's children. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. <laughs> if you're a follower of Jesus, God is speaking to you. God loves you. God's speaking to you. God's encouraging you. God's directing you. God wants to lead you and guide you and provide and protect you. He is speaking to us. The, the challenge is sometimes we get so busy in our life that we're 
really not listening. We have a tendency to want to kind of put the, go to voicemail box. Go to voicemail on God. You know, I've done it. You've done it. We've all had that experience where things just get so busy. We get distracted from what God's called us to do. And that's exactly what was happening in the generation of Elijah. You know, the background to our story is that we heard in the little video clip there were 19 kings of Israel. There were 12 tribes they had been split into. There were 10 in the northern, 2 in the southern. And the 19 kings that ruled during that 208 years... During the time of the northern tribes, during that period, every one of them were bad. They were all bad. The two tribes, they had nine, uh, 19 kings or 20 kings as well. They had about nine of them that weren't too bad. God was speaking to his people. The whole time God is speaking to his people, but they sent God's voice to voicemail. They sent God's voice to voicemail. They weren't answering his call. And that's where we find Elijah. That's the stage that we find Elijah. You know, the people, they, they claimed to be monotheistic. They were good Jews. They followed one God. Yahweh was their God. They believed in an awesome God. They, you know, they, they went to Sabbath school every Saturday. They, they did the right things. They, they said the right things. They claimed to be the right kind of people. But like Isaiah said, you worship God with your lips, but your heart is far from him. I mean, they said one thing. Hey, yeah, we're followers. Our God is bigger than your God. We think. We're not sure. We hope. But he says he is, so we kind of believe that. We have some old stories about this guy Moses a long time ago. And you know, we got these promises that God gave to our father Abraham. We're not sure if we really believed him. So we're just going to kind of make sure we get all of it, you know. So if there's another God out there, we just kind of add him into our story. We won't tell anybody about it. We, you know, we, we, we will say one thing with our lips, but our actions will do something else. And what we're doing when we do that is we're sending conflicting messages. You know, it'd be kind of like this. Pastor Glenn and Keith decide that they're just going to start robbing banks during the week. <laughs> you know, Monday through Friday, that's their day job. They're going to go rob banks. And then on the weekend, they're going to come preach here at City Church. Wednesday night, Sunday morning, whenever their turn is to preach. They're going to, you're like... All right, what's wrong with this picture? You know, Pastor Glenn's picture is all over the Internet, and Keith, and, yeah, wanted, you know. <laughs> City church boys <laughs> out there robbing banks. You're like, that's crazy. That's crazy, right? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that insane? That's crazy. That's exactly what the people of God were doing. They were saying one thing, but their life was living a different, completely different, a completely different kind of lifestyle. And all of a sudden, this man arrives on the scene. This is the part of the Bible some theologians have called the black hole. Because when you get to the prophets, and if you're like many people and you haven't necessarily studied the Bible, or you're just a new Christian and you're just finding out the Bible, you know, you get to these different books, and Isaiah and Ezekiel, and who are they talking about? It doesn't seem to make sense. And what you have to understand is these, these people spoke in a time period that was ruled by kings. And they had a word. They had a word for their generation. They had a message for their generation. And it was, hey guys, God loves you, but God wants you to turn back to Him so that He can bless you. So they had this promise. They had this promise. In Genesis, God said to Abraham, I will bless you. And I will make you the father of many nations. God said, oh, I will bless you. And they had this in their psyche. They had this. They were the chosen ones. They were, of all the people of the world, all the races and the nationalities, they really believed that. If you get around an Orthodox Jewish community today, you will still hear that. You will still hear that expression. They believed that. They're God's chosen people. 
God said, yes, I'll bless you. But here, uh, there's some things uh, you got to do. If you're going to stay in the blessing, I want you to stay away from some things. Deuteronomy chapter 28, the law declares, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all of his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings will come, come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord. Ah, that's the key. That's the if word. If you obey. If you follow God. Charles Spurgeon talks about three kinds of people in the world. He says, first of all, there's the Christ follower. In this room, you're here today. You've been worshiping. You love God. You're, you're going out. You don't have it all figured out. You're like Paul. You know, I haven't arrived yet, but I'm working my own salvation out with fear and trembling. I'm serving God. I'm trusting. I'm leaning in his grace. I got a phone call from a friend yesterday. He's really struggling with some personal issues. And I said, brother, all I know to do is tell you to lean into his grace. You can't do it. You can't work it out. You can't figure it out. You can't set yourself free. You've got to run to his grace. Just run to his grace. So you know, you, know, you know you're not where you should be, but you're on your way. You're pursuing God's purposes in your life. And that's another kind of person. Maybe you're in the room. Maybe you're not in the room. Probably not in the room. But you know, there's a lot of people out there that don't believe in God, don't believe there is a God, and some even hate God. You don't have to go too far on the Internet today, read too many. Any, any, anytime there's some kind of article about religion or Christianity, you go on and read the comments, and you realize there's a lot of God-haters in the world. There's a lot of people out there that reject, that reject the God who created you and I in his image to bless us. They reject him. They just flat out, you heal it, you hear it, you feel it, you know it. You know, you work with them. All kinds of questions. How come evil and why this? There's a third kind of person. Charles Spurgeon said this kind of person. He calls him the Christian waver. The Christian waver. That person that's on the fence. They want God. They, you know, they love to worship. Oh, they love the presence of Jesus. They, they come, you know, and they can't make a decision. Or they're completely in. You know, they, they've allowed some other things to captivate their heart. Maybe it's success or money or, or sexuality or body image. or You know, there's so many different things that can capture our heart. And they find themselves on the fence. You know, I, I don't know about you, but to be really transparent with you, I found myself there, even as a follower of Jesus. Even as a, I have allowed things to come into my life. I've allowed things at times. I, I was thinking this week, I was like, God, I, I'm preparing this message, and I'm sitting in my office, and I just had this overwhelming sense of the brevity of life. I don't know if you've ever had that before, but just like, ooh, wow. You know, I'm 51, and my life's going quick, and I begin to just examine, as I studied this text, I begin to examine my own heart. I begin to realize there's some issues of faith. There were some things that, you know, God was speaking to me about. Some things in that, you know, yeah, I got this worked out, but, man, what about, you know, my retirement? What about, well, you know, what am I going to do? And how am I going to take care of this? And how am I going to put my son through college? And, you know, there's sometimes these things capture our hearts. And all of a sudden, I just felt the, I mean, I felt this in my office. I felt the presence of God. And I just started weeping, just started praying, just started crying. God, cleanse me. God, forgive me. See, God was speaking to his people. And, and, and the problem was that they had made a decision not to fully give their life to God. So here comes Elijah, the challenge to God's people. How long will you waver between two opinions? How long? So God says, 
okay, guys, okay, guys, here's the deal. Here's the plan. Here's plan A. There's not a plan B, a plan C. There's not Baal. There's not these other gods to worship. Here is plan A. People say, okay, plan A looks good. And then they hear another voice. They see another report. Did God really say that? Well, you know, we've had some struggles and trials, and I don't know if God's really for me. Maybe, maybe this over here will work. The Bible says there's a way that appears right to a man, but the end of it leads to death. So here's Elijah. How long are you going to wait? Make a choice. God is God, worship him. If Baal is God, worship him. You know, you're going through your life and you're doing all kinds of things. I love what Craig Grishel says. He goes, several years ago, he said, I increasingly recognize inconsistency between what I claim to believe and the way I actually lived. I claim to believe. I claim to believe that Christ is here. But do I really believe that? I claim to be that Jesus is my source. But do I really believe that? Craig says, he goes, I called myself a Christian, but I live like an atheist. So the prophet comes. He comes and speaks a message. The challenge is we live in life. Things are going pretty good, not too bad. We're just kind of cruising along the cycle. And and God starts to deal with us. God starts to speak to us. I had an experience uh, this week. We were in D.C. and we rented a car. Uh, first time in my life I've ever rented a car, and literally it was brand new, brand new when I picked it up at the airport. I got in it, started up, it had 11 miles on it. That was amazing. Like, I mean, what could go wrong? And I've rented other cars that had 20, 30, 40,000 miles, and you're always like a little, you know, you're not quite sure if it's going to get you the next 11 miles. I mean, a brand new vehicle. I mean, what could go wrong? And can you show the picture here? Something did. <laughs> I'm driving the car. We're having a great time. We're all over the D.C. area. And, uh, you know, the gas gauge says between a quarter tank and a half tank. That's pretty good, right? I, I kind of looked at it one time. I thought, boy, that didn't seem to move. Uh, next thing I know, we're at the end of the Capitol building where all the congressional buildings are. It is Monday morning, 9 o'clock, rush hour traffic. If you've been in a major city, it is like crazy. People honk and turn. And I'm trying to make it left hand turn. And all of a sudden, the car starts doing one of these. I'm like, oh, Jesus. And let me tell you, your car, your car doesn't break down by the White House, by the Capitol building. By the, it just doesn't. They don't allow cars to break down there. It doesn't happen that way. There are more police per square inch in that little area than any place on the planet. And next thing, I mean, I got cops. I'm like, and I'm like nervous, and I'm trying to call Alamo, the car, and the girl's telling me I got to call 911. I said, I don't need to call 911. They're already here. <laughs> she goes, call 911. I'm like, ah, they're already I thought I was okay. You know, we think we're okay. But maybe you're not. <laughs> maybe you're not. So they thought they were okay, and so the prophet comes and he sets up a challenge. He says, okay, if God is God, you worship him, but if he's not, then follow Baal. And, you know, sometimes people think it's the challenge between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. It wasn't. It was the challenge between Elijah and the people of God. That's who it was, and King Ahab. And he says, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go up to Mount Carmel, and we're going to make a sacrifice. So the, the interesting thing about Mount Carmel in biblical times is that it was a strategic place militarily, but it was also a strategic place spiritually. 
whoever controlled Mount Carmel could control that whole region because they could see the Mediterranean Sea. They could see the valley all around. In Israel, it is a strategic place. Even today, it's very strategic. But in biblical times, it was even more so. And it was there on Mount Carmel that the idols of Baal and the idols of sacrificial worship to this pagan deity had been offered. So, all right, we're going to go up there. We're going to have a little challenge. I call it a fire down, fire down at the okay, okay Carmel. We're going to have a challenge. And this is what I, want you, I want you to get all your prophets. And you build some kind of sacrifice. You build a little thing and you get the, get the wood and you get the bull on top of it. And then I'll do the same. And so the prophets of Baal, they come out there and they, they get their sacrifice going. And listen, guys, it wasn't just one hour. It wasn't just two hours. It wasn't just three hours. It was six hours, eight hours. And they're out there and they're wailing away and they're cutting themselves and they're crying out to Baal and nothing happens. Then the man of God, he wasn't very politically correct. <laughs> He's like, hey, what's the matter with your God? Is he on vacation? <laughs> the NLT actually uses this word. Uh, it says that he says... Maybe he's in the restroom. <laughs> Maybe he's relieving himself. You know, here's the deal, guys. These other things, these other things, these other gods, these other things that pull us away from relationship with Jesus, they can't answer the deepest needs of your life. They can't heal your child when, when, uh, when he gets sick. They, they can't help fix your financial mess that's taking place in your life. They can't meet the deepest needs of your heart and soul. They can't. They just can't. They're substitutes. They're wailing and crying. And then, I love this. I love what Elijah does. I love, he just says a simple prayer. It's a simple prayer. He builds a sacrifice. He gets 12 stones representing the 12 tribes of Israel. He cuts up the wood. He puts the bowl on top. And he has them get four pails of water just to show them how unfair it is. You know, there's 850 prophets on this side. They've been going at it all day, and they haven't been able to move their God one inch. Gets uh, uh, four buckets of water. He says, oh, give me some more. They go get water from the sea, and they bring four more buckets of water. He says, give me, give me four more buckets. So he gets four more buckets of water, and the sacrifice is drenched. Water's overflowing the trenches. And then Elijah prays a simple prayer. Lord, the God of Abraham. Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. How long did it take for me to read that? One minute? Eight hours versus one minute. A one-minute passionate prayer. A one-minute prayer from a man of faith. He just simply prays. Look at, look at, he just says, God, answer me so that they will know that you are the real God. You see, when you live for Jesus, when your life is sold out for Christ, people will know that there's something it's impossible. I mean, the fact is they can argue about if God's real and not real. But I, I got to tell you today, about 70% of the humanitarian efforts in the world take place by born-again Christians. You know that? We have some of our sisters from Haiti, and we were talking on Wednesday night, and Actually, I was in the hospital on Friday. I was in the hospital on Friday. One of the sisters is a missionary to, to Haiti. She's uh, from Miami. She's Haitian by nationality. And she was talking about what her, her and her husband do. And they have 450 children in an orphanage that they teach them. They teach in school. They train them. They take care of them. They feed them. And I'm thinking, wow. 
fact is, in Haiti today, if the Christians weren't there, the children wouldn't be educated. It's just a fact. All over the world, it's that way. I mean, you know, it's not perfect. We understand this thing is messy, and there's imperfections, and there's, there's all these kinds of things because humans are involved. But when you look at it, when Elijah prays, said, God, let these people know that you are really real. And then he says, oh, God, show these people that the way that I'm serving you is the right way. And then the third thing he prays is, answer me so that the hearts of your people may be turned back to you. Bam! Fire! The fire of God's spirit, the fire of God's presence comes and consumes the sacrifice. This concept of fire in the Bible, children's ministry, they shot off a little flame today. (laughs) I want to get that little flame powder that they got over there. Fire came and it burned the sacrifice. It licked up all the water. The presence of God came and defeated their enemy. You read this story. It is an amazing story. They, they did some things. Immediately when the fire of God came, the presence of God came, they fell on their face. Lord, you are God. They humbled themselves under the mighty hand of God. Listen, if you're going through a struggle, if you're going through a trial, if you've got some stuff in your life that's just not working right, you know what you do? You get on your face before God. God, you are Lord. God, you are God all by yourself. I need you today. Then the Bible says they begin to praise Him. There is power in your praise today. They begin to praise God. They begin to declare His goodness. See, the Bible declares that God inhabits the praises of his people. And there's something that happens when you begin to lift your voice in worship. God, I love you. Jesus, I worship you. I mean, you can be discouraged and frustrated and things aren't going well. And you just start worshiping. You just start, you just start telling God how great he is. You just start declaring the goodness of God in your life. Ah, the fullness of his presence and his spirit begin to capture you, begin to overflood you, begin to overfill you. Oh, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength and the joy comes from being a worshiper of Jesus. We love to worship here. We believe in passionate worship. There was nothing about these Jewish people that was not passionate. I gotta tell you, I don't get it. I don't get religion that doesn't have some kind of, at least some of these guys out there that are doing crazy radical things, that they're passionate for what they believe. To God, if Christians were as passionate for our faith, to spreading the love of Jesus, to talking about the grace of God to their generation, to proclaiming boldly that God loves you, but God's calling us back to Him. The fire of God came. The presence of God's Spirit. The presence of God's Spirit. In the book of Acts, the Bible says they've gathered in one accord and things hadn't been easy. Things hadn't been easy. Christ, their Messiah, the one that they were following, they followed him to his death. They weren't even sure. He appears resurrected to them, and, and now uh, their eyes are open, and he breathes upon them. The Bible says, Jesus says, go and wait. And I will give you power from on high. And that power, when it comes, is represented by fire. The fire of God, the presence of God. What you and I need today is not more of the world, not more of the attractions and the things in this life that distract us. We need more of His presence. We need more of His fire. I love you today. I love you today. Some of you have been a wavering Christian. You kind of have one foot in, and I, I you know, I can understand it. I can. It's tempting. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to have our hearts pulled away. So many distractions in our culture. It's so easy just to kind of put God through the voicemail. 
God's calling you back to him. God's calling you back to him. God's calling me back to him. I want you to close your eyes right now. You're here today. You need a fresh reality of the presence of Jesus. Maybe you're going through stuff. Maybe you're not going through some stuff. But you need a fresh reality of Jesus in your life. Fresh touch from heaven. That's you this morning. When I count to three, can you raise your hand? One, two, three. Come on, in this room right now. Christians all across this room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We're going to stand together. We're going to declare. We're going to ask the Lord to send his presence and to send his fire. Come on, let's stand with him this morning. the dawn, open the heavens on earth, cause we want to know you, we want to know you, oh, Spirit of God, come like the dawn, open the heavens on earth, we want to know for that word. Come on, we just want to love it. I want to do something, though. Um, before you're seated, like, I want to sing this song out one more time. I just want to challenge you just as a community. I know that we've been kind of allowing God to speak to us personally, but can we make a decision as we walk out this door that the gods of this world are not going to be in us at all? That we're just, we're going to go back to our job. We're going to go back to our, our sphere of influence. And just as a community, I know, I know God's working in you specifically, but can we just kind of collectively together say, hey, I'm going back to my family. Maybe there's some things specifically 
um, that you need to shift in your life for that to take place. For that, We're going to walk out of here, and God is absolutely our source in every area. If that's you, would you lift up both hands? Can we declare this one more time? Come on, let's declare it. Say, how wonderful. Come on, say orlandocitychurch.com you can also use the offering envelope it's right in front of you safe and secure and um, if you're brand new to our church I want to let you know that uh, what we do is is uh, we kind of focus on a verse every month and so we try to memorize it to the best of our abilities and so uh, I heard that second service is the loudest responsive service in the whole city that's what I heard and so uh, we're going to find out in just a second Acts chapter 20. You know I like to have fun with you. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Come on. Can we say this together? Y'all ready? Here we go. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Do we believe that? We do believe that, right? Not only do we believe it, but we, we, we've lived it, we've experienced it. And maybe you're here and you've never, that, that, has, that moment hasn't happened. I want to tell you, it does happen as you step out in faith and give. And God commands us to tithe. He commands us to give 10% of all of our resources back up to Him. And this is a very, very giving church. I want you to know that your giving makes a difference here. We don't just give of our finances, but we also understand it's our life. And so we, I, I feel like well, this has got to be one of the, we have more volunteers in this church than, than most churches. And we're not comparing to anybody, but it's just the truth. There's, we don't just give our money. We give our time. We give our energy. We give our resources. And uh, we don't just give here locally, but we also give here globally. And standing behind me is our City Church Missions team. And we're actually going to the Dominican Republic. Yeah. Um, we're actually uh, we're going to the Dominican Republic Monday morning at 4.30 in the morning for a week. And, and uh, so pray for us just on that alone. Um, but can I tell you, we are a represent. I'm going too, so I'm with them. Um, but uh, we're an extension of you guys. And we're there representing you guys, and we're excited. Maybe in the future you might go on a missions trip. And I do want to highlight Pastors Hank and Joyce over here. They're our missions pastors, and we love them. And, and um, we, we had a couple people, even during first service, they said, Hey, how often do you guys do this? They said, Well, definitely we're going to go on a trip once a year for sure. We're trying to make plans to do it twice a year. So maybe you and your family, you guys could, could uh, be a part of that. So just think about it, all right? But uh, as we pray for our offering, can we pray for them? 
I mean, let's ask God to just move in a mighty way in the Dominican Republic. Let's ask God's favor over them. So would you stretch forth your hands, and then we're going to give our offering today. Father, we thank you, God, for the gift and the giver this morning as we give here locally. We also thank you, God, thank you, God for this missions team. And, Lord, we ask you to bless them today. God, we ask the, the power of God to invade this team. God, that lives, families, mothers, sons, daughters will be affected. And, Lord, we pray for health and protection over them. God, we pray for open doors for the gospel to invade the corners of the Dominican Republic that have never been invaded before. And, God, I pray right now your anointing and your favor to be released over them, and that, God, there would be no health issues, and that, God, everything would run smoothly. And, Lord, we thank you for them. We bless them today in Jesus' name. And somebody said, amen. We're going to give this morning. Everyone, I'm Pastor Kristen Hayes, the kids' pastor here at City Church, and I have some friends with me today. Did you know that God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others? This fall, we have the opportunity to provide 225 elementary age kids with a brand new backpack filled with school supplies. Pretty awesome, right? Yeah. Would you be willing to help? On Sunday, August 3rd, we will be taking a special offering for our backpack giveaway. It's pretty simple. $25 will give us two bags. $50 will give us four bags. $100 will give us eight bags. And so on. Would you be in prayer with your entire family to see what you can give? We're asking everybody to give whatever they can give. Thank you so much, and God bless you. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Well, our final announcement was what you just saw, and I have actually one of the City Church backpacks here. You know, last year, I don't know how many of you were a part of it, but we gave over 200 backpacks last year. And when we got together as a staff, we said, hey, what can we do for our community as we enter back in the school year? And when everybody, as we, as we asked people in our community, everybody came back to our staff and they said, hey, backpacks is what we need. I thought, for sure, you got to be kidding me. I thought, people got backpacks, right? Like food or shelter. And hands down, backpacks was absolutely the need. And it is again this year. So uh, the, the simple uh, challenge to you is pray about it. And you saw there, one backpack will get you so much, and four backpacks will get you so much. And so you can even give early, but we're going to be taking an offering August 3rd. And, uh, you, but you can, if you want to give early, you can go online or you can even give a check and just mark it, backpack giveaway, and we'll do that. All right? So pray about it. Think about it. And that's going to be a huge day that we'll have as we enter back into the school year. Parents, get ready. All right? God bless you guys. Have a great week, okay?